Of Cinema Wheeler today. It's uh, Sean, Tony, and Scott as usual. Hello. And uh, we're joined by a first time guest here today. It's a, a very, very special guest. It's a very special guest <laughs> uh, for a very special episode. Uh, he's, a, he's a good friend of ours. We've known him for quite some time. He's a filmmaker, he's an improviser, he's a jack of all trades. He's uh, a dad. And he's a father, he's probably a father. first and yep. foremost. It's our friend uh, Greg Payne from uh, Hashtag Comedy, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Yep. Thanks for having me, everyone. Yeah, happy to be here to discuss uh, a <laughs> fabulous movie that we just saw. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's a, a unique situation for us. We actually watched the movie right before we did an episode. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen enough clips of this movie to feel like I've, I've seen it a million times. It's uh, from 2003. It's Tommy Wiseau's The Room. His, his, his masterpiece. It is. It's his uh, magnum opus. Yes. Uh, oh, um, the way I would describe this movie, um, I would compare it like we've done Plan 9 from Outer Space on this podcast, but the Ed Wood film. Mm-hmm. This is uh, kind of like the modern equivalent of that movie. It's like, I, I, I kind of love this movie despite itself. It has a reputation as one of the worst films ever made, which it is, you know, from a technical and, and from, from a competency standpoint. But there is something unique about this movie that one, you, you want to keep gravitating back towards it for some reason, you know, mm-hmm. more than most bad films. There's a lot of bad movies out there that you forget about, you never want to see again. You probably can't even make it through the entire well, viewing I- time. I think the answer to that mystery is Tom Uzo himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Had it not starred such an outrageous character like like Tommy Wiseau, um, I don't know if it, it would have the the cult status and esteem that it has. You know what I mean? <laughs> if it was just some random run of the mill guy that made this terrible movie who was not interesting or mysterious or or any of those qualities that Tom Uzo has, I don't think that we'd be talking about it and that they would have just made a movie about the making of it but Tom Huizzo is just he's an institution himself (laughs) yes he is and I I think that movie was like just singular his world and his world view and it it, like he's yes his mind is not like everyone else's mind no no it comes through (laughs) (laughs) it comes through in spades in, in the whole movie well Johnny's biggest criticism is that he's boring Right? That's why Lisa's not with him because he's yeah. boring. Yeah. Which Tommy Wiseau in real life is anything but. No, no. <laughs> There's one thing I will say Tommy Wiseau is not boring <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. So I wanted to go around a room and kind of go through everybody and see, like, what was the first time that you came across the room or heard of the room? What's your prior experience to today of watching the room? Let's we'll talk with Greg. Sure. Uh, I'd heard about it maybe a year or so ago. Uh, one of our friends, Jeremy, was going to invited a bunch of people to go oh, see a yeah. midnight screening but I, I think I was busy that night or something like that so mm-hmm. I, I couldn't make it so I hadn't seen it but then I saw The Disaster Artist maybe a month ago uh, and then I ended up reading the book The Disaster Artist and then today was the first time I'd seen the actual movie so that was my yeah brief I, I, kinda, I guess I'd heard about it maybe even before that last year but uh it's just never, never something that I like wanted to put myself through until. Today. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we could endure it together. Yeah. 
uh, you know, um, interestingly enough, I found out about this movie kind of, I think, when I first met all of you guys, yeah. maybe, what, three, a little over three years ago, and I feel like it was Brendan Calvert who may have brought it up in conversation, or somehow we were all talking about it. Jeremy may have been included in that, too, and um, I remember they just kind of thought that I, they're like, you had never seen The Room? And I'm like, no, I'd never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, you got to see it. It's the worst movie ever made. And, you know, they kind of build it that way. So I was very interested in, in learning about it. And, you know, of course, got on YouTube and started looking at some of this, <laughs> some of the scenes on there. And it's just, you know, unbelievable. Um, but it's actually a very hard movie to nail down, mm -hmm. to actually find or even rent or, you know, come across. So until today... Until Scott made the leap and purchased it on Amazon, <laughs> I had not actually seen the film in its entirety. So, um, I think I, I heard like a couple years, maybe three or four years ago, before it got more famous, like it was up on YouTube, and then yeah. like Wiseau finally said, like told him to take it down. So maybe that's what spurred yeah. that conversation years ago about it. It's on YouTube yeah. in a weird kind of way, like it has a background, mm. and then it has like a very small like screen. <laughs> In that background, it plays the movie. Okay. And so I think they can't detect it that way. Like, it's not the full... Okay. It, it's not like you see on the screen where it's a full screen. And, but, yeah, there there is a full version, at least I know. <laughs> um, as for me, I, I, I think it was you that told me about The Room, like, about seven, eight years ago, and I started watching clips, clips of it. Because we were big in that playing nine. Yeah. He said, I think I found a movie that's just as bad, just as good in a bad kind of way. And you just start seeing clips of it. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this is... <laughs> At first, you're just like, I don't know what to make of this. But then you get in the rhythm of the, of the clips. Yeah. And uh, it's just... I, I mean, it's just... It's unlike anything. You yeah, can't even, yeah. You can't even describe it. You can't even describe it. it. I mean, well, I also think it, yeah, yeah. clips is kind of a, a good yeah. metaphor for it. Because it... it the, the writing is very so disjointed. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't really make sense. Disjointed in like a genius kind of way. Yeah. Like you would never think, no one would ever write that, that line of dialogue, but someone that didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And that's what makes it so fun. Like, you know, but yeah, that, that was my first introduction to it was this, probably the same way lots of people, you start watching clips of it and then. Or you hear people talking about it. You hear people it. talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, I think I heard about it about 10 years ago. It was about a decade ago. And I think it was a, an article on Yahoo saying this wow, film... Wow, Yahoo. That's not yeah, that's Yahoo. how long ago this was. It's like a, a, a news article from Yahoo or something like that. And I think the title was like, this new film, The Room is Becoming a Sensation in L.A. Like across the country, people were having these midnight showings of this film. I think it was like a two years after the film was released. Like The Room, it's like it's considered one of the worst films people have ever seen. It's really bad. It's become this cult classic. And this is like in 2005 or 2006. And uh, I said, well, I got to check this out. If it's that bad, I, you know, it's probably worth seeing. And I never really got around to seeing it. I started seeing, like everybody else watching clips online on YouTube about, you know, and I'm just in, in awe of it. Like it was similar to Ed Wood's Plan 9 with like really ridiculous dialogue, you know, uh, incomplete storylines. Plots are, you know, plot lines are brought in and then dropped immediately. And, 
erroneous characters. Erroneous characters <laughs> that aren't given names. That yeah, or even backstories. Or... <laughs> Horrendous sex scenes. I mean, <laughs> it just Bad goes songs. on. Horrible Wait a minute, the pop sex music. scenes might just be the best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's uh, three of them in the first 30 minutes. 30 minutes, so. exactly. This is uh, really, at the end of the day, it's a vanity project for Tommy Wiseau. He wrote this film, he directed this film, he put himself in the lead. The lead character is, is treated as an angel sent from God throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Anytime somebody refers to Johnny, his character Johnny is like, Johnny is a great man, you should, and he's very sensitive. <laughs> he's my, never, my best friend. He's your yeah. financial support. I mean, whatever you want to think of it, Johnny takes care did, of everybody. Did you know Johnny was in, in line for promotion? <laughs> <laughs> I did hear that, yes. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah, he didn't get the job, he didn't though. didn't get it, it, no. They didn't really explain why he didn't get it either. Or what he even does. I think he's a banker. I think the line is, Lisa goes, did you get the promotion? And Johnny goes, nah. And then Lisa says, you didn't get it, did you? (laughs) (laughs) Just to clarify, so there's any confusion. There's a lot of clarification. In fact, I think you could start this this movie from any scene and, and, and have a great idea as to what, what had happened in the scenes prior that you didn't see. Yeah. Because they basically just do nothing but recap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Every, there's a lot of redundancy. Every too. conversation is a recap of the conversation prior. Yeah. Or the conversation they were having then. Because there's a lot of like, I think there's one scene where they're arguing on the rooftop about what Benny, when he the, mo- the mother. Uh, yeah. Claudette. I think they go through the same conversation twice. Because yeah. she says, who is this guy? Where is he from? Where do you find a guy like that? She said that twice in that conversation. <laughs> what do you... Why do you owe him money? <laughs> what kind of money? Does he owe you money or do you what owe kind him of money? money? What kind of money? He's a dangerous man. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to jail. So I think the background of this this film, I think, is that Tommy Wiseau found funding and nobody really understands where he got the funding from. I think there's rumors that he was selling leather jackets from Korea or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much... I, the, what I took away is that it's self-financed, that he put up mm-hmm. the money. I mean, how he made the money has been, yeah. like, yeah. there's been a lot of different theories. Like, did yeah. he have it, make it through drugs? Did he make it through mob connections? Did he make it through real estate? Did he make it through yeah, retail? So it's it's definitely a self-produced mm-hmm. story. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, that also comes through in the writing. Like, usually those jobs are, are separated, and then you have feedback on a script, not, you don't just take the first draft yeah. <laughs> to the production studio, which seemed to be what happened. Well, thank goodness that didn't happen, because mm-hmm. that would just make this a mediocre movie. Because <laughs> yeah. they would have taken out every line that we love about right. this movie would have been taken it out. Me apart, you know? They would have taken out all the great stuff, and it would have just right. been a mediocre movie. You know, Just a bad movie in a boring kind of way. <laughs> Well, that's one of the, you know, one of the most endearing things about this film is that it is, you know, Tommy Wiseau's labor of love. Mm. It, 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 it's, it's like a, a student film project with a budget, you know? It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's the charm and quality about it um, and what makes it so interesting, I think, exactly. If it was, if the script actually was a decent script that made sense and there was, you know, storylines that followed through and everything was connected it would it would be a really just a just a bad film in the bad sense of the word bad not so bad that it's good that mm-hmm. you want more of it and again i think tommy Wiseau is really the you know the linchpin for for this movie if he was not a part of this project and who knows some random bob smith made the room 
and it was exactly <laughs> like it was. It, it just wouldn't. No, it's Tommy Wiseau yeah. is his own. Mm-hmm. He's like a wrestling character come to life. Yeah, he kind of is. He has the same uh, hairstyle as most wrestlers <laughs> did during the nineties. I, I mean, I, I wasn't counting lines, but it's it's he's definitely the central character of the movie. But it seemed like he didn't have yeah. that many lines in the movie. It's more people just are always talking about Tommy, mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. referencing Tommy, always fighting about Tommy. Yeah, and or he's jogging down a random path in the woods. <laughs> it's, it's oh, not exactly all, talking all the time. It's the stock footage in this movie is just that's. I guess the runtime of an hour and thirty minutes is like oh, like the random scenes in uh, San Francisco. Francisco. Well, he'll he'll <laughs> he uses like stock footage and wide shots of the city day or night to show the passage of time, which is completely unnecessary because he'll be in a party scene. Yeah. Then they'll show a wide <laughs> shot of the San Francisco and then cut back to a party scene, which probably was a span of ten to fifteen yeah. minutes in the same thing. Yeah. Completely yeah. unnecessary. Which almost makes it feel like a TV show, yeah. kind of. Yeah, I was gonna say, say yeah, yeah. Like something like he was coming back from a commercial break and mm-hmm. yeah, he wanted to yeah. have like some transition. There. It's like Friends, they always show the outside of the apartment. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But they don't play the music in this movie, where you know. Oh, yeah. Those transitions last for like maybe like one to five seconds long or something like that. Tommy Wiseau keeps it on there for ten to fifteen seconds to let you know that you're in San Francisco. But this beautiful shot. I mean, it's not like they're crappy shots. No, they're, they're gorgeous. Yeah, they are. It's one of the best shots of the movie. <laughs> they are. And the movie starts off so promising with the the exterior shots and well, the you know, logo, the, the Tommy San Francisco. You feel like oh, this is really promising. Like this could be a good movie. And then yeah. you see Tommy Wiseau on the um, the little trolley, and you're like, okay, we got you, San Francisco. All right. <laughs> And then he goes into the house, and it all kind of falls downhill from there. I mean, I would love to see this movie, not knowing anything about it, how I would view it. Mm-hmm. That would be a, a very interesting experience. Because it comes out, Wazo, you know, it's got the, it pretty, pretty much rips off Universal logo. Yeah. The spinning globe. <laughs> and it's, it's a lot. <laughs> its logo is, is basically every every... Every great logo put together, <laughs> but every low budget version yeah, of those yeah. logos, so you would see it like on, a, on an exercise tape at the beginning yeah, or something it's, like it's that. Like eighties, yes, yeah. that's that's why it looked familiar. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a like like a logo yeah, thing. Exactly it looks like an aerobics right. tape from the nineteen eighties. Uh, I like how it has the Wiseau films TN. Yeah, <laughs> it's trademarked. Everybody, we have to remember that for copyright infringement. No, I, that's one one thing I read that Tommy was obsessed with about copyrights and paying people that's why there was like some of the basketballs and footballs had like the logos taped over yeah. so you didn't have to pay royalties or whatever so mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense I mean I get that you know but it looks stupid I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, like, it just it never yeah. it almost he tapes over it to look almost like the the, the, the Nike swoosh is taped over with like a swoosh you know yeah he wasn't going for realism yeah no, no and I'm all. pretty sure that you can find footballs that are not made by Nike or they all have... You know, go to Walmart mm-hmm. or something, and there's no brand on it. Yeah. Well, you can find a generic football yeah. easily. <laughs> yeah, not Tommy. Exactly. Not Tommy. He, uh, <laughs> he wants the best brands possible. I mean, a lot's been said about how they play football in this movie. It's 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 football name only. It's not... <laughs> there's, no, there's no offside or onside. <laughs> just... they, they throw it. Some of them throw underhand. Some throw overhand. You know, it's... Is that what you guys really do when you hang out? You just stand on rooftops and right. and you toss close proximity and throw footballs. I've definitely at each other. like throw a football, but further yeah. than ten feet away from each other. Usually, <laughs> just laugh about it. 
Like a lot of family outings or you like get together with friends and play an actual game of football where you're running back and forth. But rarely do guys just kind of stand around throwing and tossing a football to each other. You know. They do it in Texas. They do it well. In... Well, we don't know why they're in Texas. I was no. just going to say, there's a lot of unanswered questions in this movie. What about wedding photos, but I didn't know. Yeah. We should go around and say, what's the biggest unanswered question in yeah. this movie? Number one, who is that guy in the end? Oh, yeah, <laughs> he just starts talking too. to Lisa. I'm pretty sure he didn't have a name. We had never seen him up until that point, but here he was acting like he was, you know, expert number one on the situation. <laughs> Well, he was, yeah. he was supposed to be Michelle's boyfriend, but the actor had to leave the production. So they just gave his lines. Is that what it, it was? Uh, the other guy who like, Michelle was eating candy yeah. with on the... Yeah. Oh, the guy that gets the blowjob and making yeah. all those crazy yeah. faces. Before she even <laughs> took his pants off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of revolving doors in this production. Wow, okay, uh, that like, actually clears things up, but still, it's just like... So, so her boyfriend... <laughs> Left the production mid-production, <laughs> yeah. so they had to replace it with another random guy. Who looked nothing like him. No, it was supposed to be the same character. Well, they, just yeah. ran, they just ran over. Like, they said, we're going to take 30 days or something like that, but then they just kept on going over Uh-oh. their time, and then he's yeah. like, Tommy, i got to leave by, by yeah. this date. And then he's like, don't worry about it. We'll give your lines to someone else. Yeah. That's amazing. And they never uh, explain it. They, no. they never give him a name or anything. Well, you think they'd at least hire somebody that looked like him. <laughs> Close enough, anyway. Not, yeah. This guy looks nothing like. No. Yeah, well, the introductions of characters is unlike any other movie I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, it's not a priority to clarify who the characters are in relation to one another mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And why do? Why are they? It, it's kind of like any great sitcom, really, when you think about it. Why are they always going to that house? It's just like in Friends. Everybody just walks right into Monica's apartment. Like, do you guys all have keys? Yeah. You know, do you all live here? Like, Well, the mom calls it out. She doesn't Exactly. That's she why I love Claudette. Yeah. Does anybody ever lock the door here? It's almost <laughs> like she's speaking to the audience. Yes. Yeah. What were you thinking? There is one line the mother actually delivers saying, who are these characters? <laughs> That's my favorite. I don't think that was a yes. lie. I think she was actually asking... Tommy Wiseau. She's the best. Claudette is probably the best character. Yeah, the mom is pretty great. She's so good. Um, I love how she's like the staunch defender of Johnny in the very beginning. (laughs) Like, Johnny is your financial support. She emphasizes that to Lisa nonstop that Tommy is your financial support. You can't, you can't, you can't (laughs) conquer the world without without, uh, Johnny by your side in his financial. Yeah. Yeah, when you try to try to break down like what what is the message behind this movie? Like, what is it trying to say about relationships, about women, about friendship? It, it makes it more muddy than. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Greg, yeah. didn't you know it's about it's about citizenship? <laughs> <laughs> Treat Tommy Wiseau with respect is what the name of this movie is. <laughs> now, the best is you know the whole I did not hit her I did not hit her and then in the next scene he like throws her on the couch about yeah. three times. Yeah, yeah, he shows her down. Like, yeah, Listen to like, me, Lisa. you're really building a good case for yourself, Johnny. Yeah, you could easily make the case this movie's misogynistic too. <laughs> um, <laughs> extremely. Basically, Claudette telling her you're never going to survive without Johnny. Yeah. She even said you can't get your own job. <laughs> well, Tony, what does Mark? What are those three tenets of women? They're either smart. Oh, they're they're too smart, they're stupid, or they're evil. They're evil. <laughs> there you go. There's why, three types of women in this world. Why people would protest this movie as misogynistic, I don't know. But well, uh, again, that's back to Tommy. Tommy's yeah. world. Like, yeah, he Tommy's just wrote world. This, he wrote this 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 movie, and he, that's his view. And yeah. he wasn't like writing this with anyone else. It was just his his ideas. Everybody in this, everybody that's not Lisa has his point of view mm-hmm. on the situation. Even even Mark. 
Because he constantly says, I'm the Empress, I'm, Tom, I'm Johnny's best can't friend. can't do this to me. Yeah. I'll, I'll, he, has, he, he's, he has sex with her, and then afterwards, he's like, I'm the best friend, I can't do this anymore. He's like, why'd you make Three me times. do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. why'd you make he me do that? He blames her, yeah. Uh, every encounter with Lisa for Mark, who is Johnny's best friend in the film, uh, it always starts off like, "Why are we? What are we? What are we doing? Like, how could you? How could this be confusing to you at this point? This exactly. is a repetitive pattern." One of, the funniest, one of the funniest things that just cracked me up. One, because it's something a guy would totally say. It's an authentic exchange. And then two, it just—it's right, right before the downfall of Johnny. You know, before that scene when she calls up Mark and she's like, "Mark, I miss you," and he's like. What do you mean? I just saw you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. Yeah, Mark's always saying he's busy with shades on. I, I guess Mark's supposed to be what Kato Kalen. <laughs> he has the same hairstyle and everything. Does he live upstairs or something? He, they, yeah, they did he say that he lived in the apartment complex. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's weird. And Denny lived in the apartment. Yeah. What's what's. Let's talk about Denny. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. What's that character like? Is it just what's the point of a character like that? They like adopted him. I think he's a ward, like Batman and a Robin. Isn't that yeah. kind of the, the the impression I got? <laughs> the scene where he's telling Johnny that he loves Lisa mm-hmm. in a sexual way, and Johnny says it's okay because she's like a mother figure to him, essentially. <laughs> and that's where it ends. That's his exp- <laughs> that's why he says it's okay. That's his explanation. Is that. It's okay. She's like a mother to you. You can have sexual thoughts. Like. Well, and then, the, the, and then the way that the scene ends gets even better. He's like, "Let's go get food, huh? <laughs> Let's go see a movie. Let's go yeah, see a movie." Yeah, and then he says, well, "What movie do you want to see?" He goes, "Don't plan ahead. Things don't work out like like they want them to, or something like that." Maybe we go see action film. Maybe we go see drama film. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's adopting Denny and then he's gonna watch him have sex. That's what he enjoys the most. Yeah. I like watching you guys and yeah. they just laugh about it. I don't think you can adopt people that are over eighteen. <laughs> I, just don't don't you know, I just don't think that happens. Was there really a quote unquote adoption or you know, was it oh God. God who knows how that relationship came to be. The best part too is like every time you turn around and any time a character opens the door to exit, there's always somebody waiting there to just come <laughs> yeah. right in. It's like do, do people not really have lives in this movie? Do they, do they all just wait around that house, waiting for their turn to come inside? I think they do. Well, some some characters like uh, their best the best friend couple that we talked about earlier. Yeah. They just kind of entered randomly mm-hmm. and had a scene where they're like getting a chocolate fetish on. Yeah. You know. and then they're like, we like to have sex in her apartment. Basically, like what they said. Yeah, and then they, the mother and Elisa come in and catch them, and the guy has to grab his underwear yeah, again, which totally. I guess was a comic relief moment, right? But then they have a scene of him describing yeah, that moment that was with Johnny. So weird. That was the, one of the weirdest scenes. <laughs> Where he says, there's a lot she, of weird scenes. She pulls it out and she's showing everybody, me underwears. And Johnny yeah. goes, you must be kidding. Underwear. I got the picture. And then Mike says, yeah, I don't know what to do. And Johnny says, that's life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Johnny, I mean, Tommy Wiseau could write like, like a, a, a coffee table book with just, you know, like Wiseau-isms to help people yeah. get through life. You know when 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 a lady walks in on you, yeah. that's life. <laughs> Don't plan ahead. It's okay to fall in love with your mother figure exactly. in a sexual way. It's there's, okay to yeah. Well, know. there's been some like questioning about even <laughs> what was this was the script written from the beginning? Like yeah. Greg and Tommy, like they claim that the script was there, but like the the guy who was the script supervisor, who's played by Seth Rogen in the movie, like that guy said he never saw a script. 
Oh, and said, nice. like, he would only see pages at a time. And, like, he just came out with a book where he claims that he directed the movie. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, I don't know if he should yeah. be... Yeah. Something that he probably... I mean, because it's making money, you mm-hmm. know, maybe he wants to claim that, but... Yeah, it's amazing that anybody would, would claim ownership <laughs> of the direction of this film, <laughs> you know. It's like, hey, guys, that's my work. <laughs> Make it it's not Tommy's work. That's my work. You know, I think it is Tommy's work because that guy, there's a vibe from that guy you could tell that's kind of unique that mm-hmm. would make something what, this bad. Oh yeah, I mean some of these other people probably would have made a more competent movie that you might have forgotten about. But that's what I was just saying. That's yeah. what I've been saying. Yeah, yeah. because it's Tommy Wiseau. What well, I think, like, even if he didn't, he doesn't have to direct it to have. If he's the writer, star, mm-hmm. and the yeah. producer, like he's gonna tell yeah. the director what to do, yeah. and he's gonna do it. Yeah. So it's it's still his it's still Tommy's world yeah. and Tommy's Tom. movie. That's what it should be called, Tommy's world. <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Johnny. Johnny's world. Yeah, it, it's basically it's Johnny's world, and women are evil and manipulative, and they enjoy being evil and manipulative. And yeah, there was no real reason why Lisa. No. No, just, Johnny was good to her. Yeah. Yeah, she just. She oh, just goes throwing her on the couch. <laughs> well, not exactly. <laughs> He's boring. That's what she said. He's, he bores her now. And, and how was Mark more interesting? Yeah, I think it was more. Mark was better looking. <laughs> that might have been what they were implying, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, they were implying that Johnny, uh, Lisa, that says that Johnny's boring. Yeah, it's, that's why she likes him more. And then uh, Mark is, I guess, exciting. I guess that's. <laughs> Uh, Mark smokes pot. We know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. How about yeah, the part whenever he, whenever Lisa's trying to seduce him, and he's like, "What the music? The candles? What's going on here? <laughs> What's happening here?" <laughs> the shirt's already off by that point. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like she's grabbing his shirt. Oh, We're naked. We're in bed together. There's a candle. What's going on? Yeah. First, what are you getting at, Lisa? First love scene on a. Start, spiral staircase I've ever seen. Yeah. And she calls him babe in the beginning and yeah. acts like on yeah. the phone. Yeah, on the phone. The first time they ever hey, babe. Talk. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm busy. <laughs> also, Johnny's best friend and you're his future wife. Yeah. <laughs> they always refer to each other as future husband and future wife. future wife. <laughs> not fiance. That's not, that's not, that word does not exist in this world. <laughs> no, it's only, it's only future wife. Tommy probably thought that was a European term, so he wanted future to be wife. <laughs> Oh, I, I, yeah, I, was, I pulled up a list of the best quotes from the film. Should you want me to read them? Sure. Yeah. Some of them are so iconic, like, I'm so happy I have you as my best friend, and I love Lisa so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Why, Lisa, why? Johnny's my best friend. <laughs> anyway, how is your sex life? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's after that. <laughs> that's a great line. Yeah. Doesn't he say, like... Well, they're so, talking about his job. Yeah. And he's not yeah. supposed to reveal anything about his bank clients. It's <laughs> true. He's yeah. like, it's confidential. Or computers, we're not I sure can't. which. Yeah. Oh, yeah, what's the line about the computers? Computer I, business is tough, so Johnny. It's very competitive. <laughs> the, the computer business is very competitive. Lisa apparently is unemployed, but there's one scene where she says she's meeting with a client. Yeah, which makes no sense. Uh, and, st- and here's another thing. Claudette still pushes for Johnny and Lisa based on the fact that it's financial security yeah. for Lisa, even after she finds out that Johnny doesn't get that promotion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which is a big deal. They talk about that promotion. And he was a busboy seven years ago when they met, so he's yeah. Yeah. He risen to fame. Quite, yeah, quite he's worked his way up. They use all my ideas. That's the interesting story about he met, how he met Lisa, which has nothing really to do with Lisa, just how he <laughs> established himself 
where he brought up. Well, like, someone else just asked him, how, so how did you guys meet? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, it's a very interesting story. Like, you've never heard that? You've known your best friends with the guy. He's been dating her for seven years, yeah. and you've never heard how they met. Yeah, a lot of these people act as if they've just met each other for the first mm-hmm. time anyway in this movie. Oh, and I love the scene with Peter. <laughs> when he's, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. about, he's like, you know, a psychologist or whatever, and... And then he's like, Peter, why are you always trying to play psychologist? <laughs> and it's like two or three lines before that. He's like, help me out. You're a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, okay, uh, one of my favorite parts is he was in that scene when he's like, how'd you guys met? Oh, it's an interesting story. Yeah. And it's like five minutes of him talking <laughs> about how you got to where you, you know, he was using the credit card or using the could cash a check, it bounced because he used that at a bank and then he saw her. She was so beautiful and he's like, that's how we met. Had <laughs> <laughs> nothing to do with and Lisa, really. Okay, and the other thing to, to yeah. that's so misogynistic about this film too is Lisa is always so objectified. All she mm. is is beautiful. Yes. How about the fact, well, she's not really portrayed as a good person anyway, but nah. let's just say that maybe she was. Like, How about the fact, oh, she has a kind oh. heart or she's yeah. a good person or it's always, you're so beautiful, you're so beautiful. Every You know, even Mark. It's like, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. And Denny. It and forgives Denny, all yeah. her sins. Exactly, you know, she's beautiful. Yeah. You know, and her mother even applauds her for being manipulative and evil because it's like, that's how women have to be or to, <laughs> to stay afloat. <laughs> you, you can't get on, uh, get ahead of this world on your own steed. And Lisa does say you have to be number one. She you says, know? I got him wrapped around my finger. And then she comes, like, one of the strangest and shortest cliffhangers in history of the <laughs> film was the I'm we're pregnant, we're expecting, yeah. which three, literally 30 seconds later, she reveals as, oh, I just made that up. Like, we're not really, we're not really pregnant. Yeah. And it's so strange. Yeah, she's like, I just made that up. And then, then the, the girl goes, well, don't, what, what do you think Johnny's going to think? And she's like, well, she says, well, I forget what she says, but I remember I said to Greg, uh, he's going to find out in nine months yeah. when there's no baby. Yeah. yeah. Or sooner, because you have your belly exactly. no, Her understanding is like, we'll eventually have a baby, then yeah. we'll see that, that we have a baby. Yeah, that was yes. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess he assumes that Johnny does not have a sense of time. Yeah. and may not be able to figure that out on his own. Uh, but why did she make up the story about the baby in the first place? If there's to make baby? it interesting, she said. That was the... I mean, this movie is so emotionally draining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that party, though, because there's one random guy that's just like looking at Lisa. It's like, man, Lisa's so hot. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Just randomly, it makes no sense. <laughs> to his girlfriend, too. The best yeah, part is she yeah. talked to his girlfriend at the time. <laughs> one thing, yeah, that we were talking about earlier about the drainingness of this film, because mm-hmm. I think human mind tries to make sense of all these things and tries yeah. to logically put them in order or find out a reason why someone did something <laughs> but like it's just overwhelming at, at times it, it's, it's like a rubik's cube yeah. in that way you know like you're struggling to put it all together in one clean crisp square but it's not going to let you do that easily mm-hmm. it really does feel like a tv show with, uh, with all these different characters entering and leaving and yeah. you know the exterior shots like we talked about even you know, the more i think about it and to Greg's point about the human mind just trying to, you know, connect all the dots and put all the puzzle pieces together, uh, it's, it's almost overwhelming because you're, you're given so much random yeah. and, like, erroneous information and you're just like, what am I supposed to care about? <laughs> Who am I supposed to be rooting for? Right. You know, yeah. what... what? 
Well, I know that we're supposed to be rooting for Johnny 100% all the way. Because Johnny is painted as a saint. Yeah, but then he hits Lisa, and then you sympathize. You're like, this guy's kind of not stable. Uh, I don't know if if Tommy Wiseau (laughs) sees it that way from how he filmed it. We do. But... uh, also, one of the, the major lines that they say over and over is, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't worry yeah. about it, Mark. Don't worry about it. And maybe that is a theme. Don't worry about any of this <laughs> yeah. stuff. Just let it wash over you. Like, yeah. uh, but he's a sensitive guy. He doesn't understand that about himself. Everybody seems to know what Johnny is, you know. Johnny doesn't have any friends, but he has a lot of people that care about him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the best thing is when, when Lisa, in the, like one of the very first scenes with them, Lisa's like, at least you have friends. Nobody called me today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, they're obsessed with, like, friendships and relationships and who likes you and who doesn't like you. Which is is obviously an insight into what matters to Tommy Wiseau. Oh, yeah. It's friendship, you know. Well, and status, you know, like. Yeah. And who likes you and who doesn't and what your job is and how... You know, what, what you can bring to the table. He's always talking about buying Lisa expensive gifts mm. and I treat you like a princess. But at the end of the day, people, you know, that that's not going to sustain a relationship. Mm-hmm. Connection is what's going to sustain it, you know. Well, it, it's crazy, though, because Tommy has a lot of legitimate friends. Like you said, the people who care yeah. about him. So why he would think he's friendless is, yeah. is crazy. Even his fiance's mother is like his biggest supporter. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah. She knows everything about him <laughs> to a concerning degree. <laughs> she does. It's like that, that first scene with Claudette uh. is probably the best. That and, you know, I definitely got the test results back. <laughs> I have breast cancer. I definitely have breast cancer. So what is it? Got the test results back today. I'm dying. Um, yeah. I definitely have breast cancer, which is not yeah. something that's funny to laugh about. No. Um, I, but I how know. casually she deals with it. And, and the fact that Lisa just blows right over it. Well, all the reactions I mean, are blown over. Yeah. yeah. But she goes, and I'm dying. Is yeah, it, she's like, it's like, like such, an, such a serious thing to say, and then it never comes up again. No. Nobody even brings up breast cancer. Well, In fact, there's one point when Johnny's like, oh, you look nice. Or he says something like yeah. that. Or um, He says something nice to her. Something nice to her that would allude to the fact that maybe he's in the mm-hmm. know of her not being well. But it never, mm-hmm. ever comes up. No, and... Uh, she seems more concerned about her brother buying her house than her life. <laughs> well, and yeah. the person who's gossiping about her. Remember, there's somebody that's gossiping. <laughs> that really pisses her off. <laughs> the fact that she's dying due to breast cancer, it's not uh, And I'm dying. I definitely... I went to the doctor today. I definitely have breast cancer. <laughs> that's what it is. I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. <laughs> uh, like, that is so serious. Oh, and I always like it when Mark says, leave your stupid comments in your pocket. <laughs> That is a bumper sticker line right there. Leave your totally. stupid comments in your pocket. They were trying to go for a for a t-shirt, look, you know, kind of <laughs> yeah. uh, line there. Um, of course, there's the drug dealer who's going after Denny. Yeah. Where they have to confront him on the rooftop, and uh, Denny, for some reason, the mother who had just met Denny like a minute ago, is interrogating him like like it's her own son, and if they've been known each other for years, it's strange. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Claudette's in everybody's business for sure. <laughs> but, but Claudette is the only person who, as an audience member, is your helper. She's kind of helped and connect <laughs> connect the dots and make some sense of things. Because, like you said, she's sort of our voice in all of this. Like, 
Who are these people? And don't you ever lock your door? And you know, like she's vocalizing all these things that we're thinking. It's almost like she went off script and is just like vocalized. Like these are just honest questions that they thought were in the script or something like that. But yeah, she breaks down the fourth wall accidentally mm-hmm. for sure. So, uh, what do you guys think having watched this? Like we've kind of touched base on it a little bit, but what are the qualities that that make this such a cult classic? Um. Be beyond like it, it, it's obviously so bad it's good, but what is the specific qualities that make it so bad that its, it's watchability is is really high and its rewatchability is really high? I mean, I think it's its self awareness is very limited and it's very earnest. So mm-hmm. you can see where Tommy's not a good actor, but he's really he's trying to to sell it and he's trying to make a, a movie and try to make something that he thinks is. He's really good, but he's just not good. He's just not talented, and he's he's not gonna back down. He's not gonna say I'm I'm not as good as someone else. I I can do this. Like his just blind ambition and blind b- belief is what kind of endears him to audiences. I think. You know, um, for the first time gang i am speechless um i think just looking at the cover of the room <laughs> just just looking at tom Wiseau and hearing one sentence has captivates people because he is so absurd in such a charming and innocent almost way that you know, audiences immediately are attracted to him, and he's very intriguing. He's a mysterious person. We really don't know much about him. Where did he come from? Yeah. How did he get money to finance his home? <laughs> There's so many unanswered questions that, that that keep us interested in who he is, and, and we want to see what he's going to do next. And with the way that the film, he definitely cultivates that too. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. The way he dresses in the dark clothing, and he's got this hairdo, and he doesn't look, speak act like anybody else Mm -hmm. and um i think that that's a really strong power that he has over people you know um i don't even remember the question (laughs) (laughs) well what makes it such a it's so bad it's good kind of yeah yeah. okay so so i am sort of i'm not you know i'm having see i am having a tommy Rizzo moment yeah um he has an effect on all yeah he does He has an effect on people, and I think that a lot of it is is just the intrigue of Tommy Wiseau um, and the likeness for him as an individual is what makes us, as audience members, want to actually sit through this movie and and, and see it out, you know. And it, I think it also makes us enjoy mm-hmm. enjoy it a little bit more because we instantly sort of feel a connection to him, you know, understanding that he wrote this, directed it. Produced it, financed it, you know, it is a Tommy Wiseau creation in every sense. Um, it's kind of like that person that you went to high school with, you know, if, if, if they're, you know, they're making a movie or something, you know, you want to support it just because you know them, even if they're very kooky or whatever. It's that, that same thing. Like, it's almost like the underdog quality mm-hmm. where you're rooting for that person, even if they're a little offbeat. Um, and what they're doing really isn't maybe great. You're still kind of cheering them on because it takes a lot of courage to do that. And 
and you're having fun. You know, it's not that you're having fun and somebody else's. Um, yeah, Tommy was a famous actor. Yeah. Before he made this movie, then he made this movie. It would not be popular. No, now. exactly. No. But because he's exactly, he's like the up and coming underdog. You want him to succeed. You know, you're, yeah. having, you're having fun with him. You know, you're enjoying yeah. it. You know, like when you're laughing at, at the movie, part of you kind of feels like you're laughing with him, like mm -hmm. not really at him or you're going against him. Uh, I don't know. You, you kind of become very immersed mm -hmm. in the room. You know, as Tommy would say, the room is a special place. It's your place. <laughs> and, you know, you kind of feel that way. Am I making any sense? Yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect Tommy was. Tommy. It is. You it would is. be so proud. Uh, no, I, I, I actually understand what you're saying. It's like you feel like you can't separate Tommy Wiseau from this movie. It's, yeah. It's, 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 that's part of the deal is that this guy, you know, same with Ed Wood. You can't separate Ed Wood from the movies he makes because they're... Um, you know, I went through someone Rotten Tomatoes listed like his ten five favorite movies, and they're all like the best, just like whatever you think are the best movies, like Casablanca, Citizen Kane. Who Tommy's? Yeah, Tommy's. What are they? I'm like, curious. They're like Casablanca, Citizen Kane. You know, just your traditional. You know. Yeah. He goes to AFI's top five list, and those are his favorite movies. <laughs> and uh, you can see a scene that's definitely Citizen Kane when he finds out. You know. He's destroying the room. Mm -hmm. There's a scene in Citizen Kane when he's like this kind of like like Frankenstein destroying the room. <laughs> yeah. And it's exactly the same. And uh, I think that's it. They, they think that they're, in their mind, they're making these masterpieces. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, it's like, I'm going to, my first movie is going to be this thing that no one's going to ever, you know, you know, this is going to change cinema. And there's some scenes that have like really, that psychiatrist scene. Yeah. With Greg, there's a scene where like, it's like focused on Tommy and he goes soft focus and it's focused on yeah <laughs> for no reason whatsoever because he just goes to a manual and he goes like this <laughs> it just kind of looks like a traditional mm -hmm. oh this is a good a shot in a good movie mm -hmm. you know um but it i think you know just to jump on what you know tony and greg both said it's just mm -hmm. like this it's so inept mm -hmm. that there's an underdog quality to it like mm -hmm. this guy is just not capable of making a great movie yeah but he puts everything into it. And also, I mean, I think the budget has something like usually when you're working as like a independent filmmaker, yeah. you use your un unresourced to be creative and come up with solutions yeah. with the resources that you had. But he had like a studio and he had money, but he didn't really have to solve any problems. He just kind of yeah. would just put up a green screen <coughs> and say, "We'll we'll fix it in post," yeah. or we'll, mm -hmm. we'll reshoot a, a scene on a on a different on a make a set of an alleyway on a real set <laughs> and when you have an alleyway in your backyard that you can just use yeah and these, you hear that it's made it cost six million to make yeah. but then you watch when you watch it you're like why did this cost but then when you watch the behind the scenes you see where all that money yeah. is they use he has every you know piece of equipment that he needs he took it very seriously and that's I think listening and, and having time to digest this movie has so much heart Mm -hmm. is really at the end of the day what it is it has a lot of heart and it is genuine mm -hmm. it, it may it's not the best but it's very <laughs> okay i didn't even need to say that but yeah. but but at the but still there's so much heart and so much character and genuine authenticity in it and and you again you really sense that he was trying he gave it his all and and yeah because of that underdog quality of somebody trying so hard for something you can't help but you know root for that well, I also think the dialogue is so 
ridiculously loopy in, in mm-hmm. a way that they are in Ed Wood films. Like it's mm-hmm. like somebody actually sat down and wrote this. It's like a great screenwriter couldn't come up with comedy lines <laughs> yeah. that great. It has to be. It has to come from a mind that's doing it sincerely to really push it over the edge mm-hmm. to make yeah. it funny. Uh, to the point that people would quote it consistently and go to a midnight screening of the film and throw a popcorn or whatever they do <laughs> at, at their favorite lines. I mean, that takes a unique mm-hmm. lack of self-awareness, you know, to c- compose lines. Because he's saying the lines seriously. Yeah. yeah. They're not done comedically, but that's what makes them even better. Yeah, because yeah. it's very genuine. Yeah. And, and this movie, you know, if anything, is completely over the top. And that that's another fun quality about things that people tend to gravitate towards. You know, when you think about Plan 9 from Outer Space, and even though I think Rocky Horror Picture Show, I think that's a great movie, but movies like that, with that, with, that are odd, with that cult-like your status where they don't maybe make the most sense, but you still kind of buy it and you like it anyway, they all have similar things in common, and being over the top is one of them. And this movie is incredibly over the top, <laughs> overly dramatic, everything's... Over dramatized, and and that's part of the fun, um, and and the quotability factor of it is because it's just that's not how real people would act. Yeah. This isn't things that real people would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think Rocky Horror is different, and so that's a movie that's very self aware. Exactly. And it, it celebrates kitsch, like it knows we're yes. kitsch, we're yes. playing to kitsch. Yeah. It's a celebration of fifties kitsch, and we're throwing it into a stew with glam rock from the yes. 70s. You but know. And I think, the, but the, one of the reasons, and I, meant, I brought that up because I think it went over so well because mm-hmm. it was so over the top. They were absolutely way more aware of yeah. what they were doing and it was obviously more... Um, they had one of the best actors in the world. Well, well, the movie, well, the <laughs> movie had, a, had a very clear-cut storyline and it was, mm-hmm. it was buttoned up way more than, than The Room is, but um, it was that over-the-top fun, this... Thing when this would really never happen in real life kind of element to it that I think sucks people in. Um, but, uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, so when you talk about like lines being quoted, a couple nights ago I was in an improv show and we were doing this scene. Um, the group of, uh, my female group that I'm in is named Clutch. And so we were doing this scene where we call it lines from our clutch. And a clutch is a small handbag for, for some listeners, listeners out there who maybe aren't familiar with it. Um, and so we got, we asked the audience to give us lines, any kind of line, and then we were going to randomly pull them out of the clutch and use them throughout the scene. And one of the lines that I got was, oh, hi, Mog. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I, it just goes to show that the room is everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it became a sensation, you know, like it, uh, like we've talked about, it's, it's over the years it's become a bigger, bigger, uh, cult hit uh, with each passing, you know, year, and um, you know, people like Ali Baldwin, I remember seeing it in line to go see it repeated times. James Franco, obviously, he made an entire film on the making of the the Room based on the book, mm-hmm. The Disaster Artist, and he loves the Room, and he was defending it as a great film, you know, despite itself. Yeah, and I, I think like Franco's per, uh, performance of Tommy Wiseau was very super sim- sympathetic and very like probably even more so than. He yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is that element there, you know, because uh, Tommy, you know, based on a lot of reports, was not that easy to work with, and you know, even in the behind-the-scenes documentaries that we watched, Tommy was very proud of firing people from the set, mm-hmm. which is not something that you normally brag about <laughs> on a behind-the-scenes featurette. Like I fired a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I saw an well, interview. With, he's all, oh, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, I saw an interview with Tommy, and he said that the movie was 99% true, but then Greg's book was 40% true. And then I, I read the book that's list last week, and it was much more negative of Tommy than oh, the movie. Okay. So I think it's yeah. it's in Tommy's world of, mm-hmm. I need to be portrayed as this successful, suave guy that everyone's best friends with. And, yeah. And then it's when he kills himself at the end, spoiler alert, yeah. <laughs> that it's going to crush everyone's world. And that's that's kind of like, that was his intent. I think when he wrote this, mm-hmm. this film, he wanted to, the world, like in the book it says, he wanted people to cry and not be able to sleep for two weeks after they watch his movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know... So he had, he had grand uh, aspirations. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> a heavy yeah, aspiration. That is, yeah. Well, you know, not to get Freudian here, but um, kind of touching on what I said earlier and just listening to what you guys were saying, it's very evident that Tommy Wiseau is extremely mindful of status and he mm-hmm. wants to be portrayed as someone who's successful and likable and respected, even if he's not really that in real life. Um and and we see those same parallels, obviously, with the character of Johnny, because that basically is Tommy Wiseau. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's interesting, because people tend to focus more on what... Or how, how can I say this? Um, you can always tell what people really care about by what they're really afraid of, because it's, it's in part, a lot of what they focus on. So if you have someone who's, success, who's extremely career-oriented and... And, and not to discredit that, I think that that's wonderful, but that probably is an indication that they have a big fear of failure, mm. you know, or that maybe money is important to them. If you have somebody who's all about status, and we know people like that, we've met people like that in our lives, that's important to them. That's what they're most afraid of not having. And with Tommy, it was that status, that reputation, friends. He wanted to be this well-accoladed mm-hmm. person. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that he would say that maybe a more realistic or negative view of him is not accurate because that's his fear is to be seen that way. And I, I, I give Tommy credit. Like he's had a much harder life than me or yeah. most people. Like sure. he was an immigrant. Like he mm-hmm. came, like I was watching like some clips about a documentary that he sued to not release where he's from. So he's, he's from Poland. They went and did interviews with his family and stuff like that. And like some of the things in the book, they talk about how he was he moved, immigrated from Poland to France and had to, like, hide out in basements and worked at a at a restaurant, like, just got treated like crap and got beat up and oh the gosh. cops took him and, like, were trying to export or trying to ship him back to, to Poland and he didn't want to go because he was under communist control. And so he's had a hard life and he wants yeah. to, sit, like, separate that, mm-hmm. that hardship and then start, and that's why he always told people he's from New Orleans yeah. and things like that. So I... I yeah. I have sympathy for the guy as a, as a tough person, but so it's hard not coming from that background to know like how I would react. But I think he's he's also just inherently a strong, a strange dude. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, well, hearing that even makes more sense to to the case of what it makes more sense as to what his insecurities and fears are, and it gives them more validity. Not that they're not that anybody's insecurities and fears aren't valid on their own because they are. We're all entitled entitled to feeling the way that we feel about things. But, yeah, it makes more sense mm. why he would want so hard, so badly, to be known as this wonderful, great person that maybe he really isn't. Mm. Not because he isn't in his own heart, but just because it's not really what he is, where he came from. Mm-hmm. And that's why he likes to be that mystery, because then he can have the ability to control 
his brand, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Tommy Wiseau is eccentric, obviously, like we yeah. mentioned, but that's not uncommon with a lot of great filmmakers. Like Stanley Kubrick certainly had his idiosyncrasies, at least reportedly. <laughs> uh, Alfred Hitchcock even had his idiosyncrasies. David Lynch, you know, we all love. But I think, especially with Lynch, there's a self-awareness. They kind of are aware oh, of who yeah. they are and how he- they come off to people, and they play off of that a little bit. Ronald... And even Tommy Wiseau seems to get that now, too. Like, it's almost more like he's he's no longer a filmmaker as much as he's a great self-promoter. Like, yeah. he knows how to put himself out there as he a celebrity. He knows how to brand himself. Yeah, he's great at exactly. self-marketing. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Which is to copy other people's brands. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, that's what he does. Yeah. Uh, I know, I think he worshipped the James Dean, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And I also think, yeah, I know he loved Tennessee Williams. Like, he really wanted the room to be the equivalent of a streetcar named Desire. He really wanted that. Like, you, you saw you're tearing me apart. It's supposed to be like Stella, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, he's going for those big Tennessee Williams moments and just does not have the talent to pull it off, you know? And it comes off in a completely radically different direction. Yeah. yeah absolutely. God bless Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this makes me like him even more. <laughs> Dissecting his psyche. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Because that's not what we do here, is dissect the psyche of somebody I've never met personally. Well, I do. I tend to go down that road. It's, it's interesting to me. I like to, I like to have a better understanding why people are the way that they are. It, it invites a... Um, not, not that I would be judgmental of somebody to begin with. You know, I really try hard not to do that. But it invites more of a, um, I don't know, warmness. Like, okay, I feel like I know them a little bit better. And I can understand why they make some of the choices they make and why they do things the way that they do artistically and why they have certain themes and, you know, things like that. It makes a little bit more sense getting inside and understanding. Yeah, and I I think it's one of the great inverted success stories in the history of Hollywood, you Mm -hmm. know, because uh, this movie became a success despite itself. You know, you can't really say it's a failure. It's It's a really successful film that people continue to watch. When you're having midnight showings every month, in certain cities of this film, you can't call it a failure. Yeah. Because people are still paying money to go see it and then still getting enjoyment over it over several repeated viewings. Um, and while well, I compare Tommy Wiseau to Ed Wood, Ed Wood is only really known with cinephiles. I don't think he's mm-hmm. well known outside of certain circles, you know, and he was not a celebrity in his own lifetime, I think. It was only subsequently that he became known. After and, the movie. Yeah, and, and the movie even elevated that further. But Tommy Wiseau has become a celebrity in his own lifetime. People know who he is. Even if they haven't seen The Room, they know who he is, and they know of The Room. So I don't know what lesson is to be gleaned from this. Well, he's also of our time. Yeah, Ed Wood was not really of this generation's time. I mean, the Tim Burton movie in 1994 kind of shed some light as to who Ed Wood was. Yeah, but, but even then, I don't think he was a no, was a celebrity in his own time, like in the fifties yeah. and sixties. No, no, nobody. No. Unless you were somebody that really, I don't even then. I don't know how well you would have known much about like the intricacies of filmmaking outside of a few magazines, because yeah. it's, it's not like they they had the media we have now. But uh, and eventually he did through cult, like from from some of those conventions and stuff. I think people started to know who he was. But like you said, Tommy Wiseau has become a celebrity in this time. Mm-hmm. It only took a few years for the room to really take off mm-hmm. as a cult hit. And he rode that. When he realized that that was mm-hmm. what it was, it was so bad, it's good. He rode that brilliant, brilliantly, I have to say, to the end. And he still does it kind of... He doesn't say it's so bad, it's good. He's kind of reluctantly 
accepted that there's mm-hmm. humor, yeah. but he goes off if that was intended, you know, like, he intended <laughs> to have it in there. He controls the narrative, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I don't think we're, I, I don't think people are laughing at him. I think people are enjoying that this experience, you know, you know, there are probably some people that are laughing at him, but there's, I think, now, he's such a, like you say, he's such an icon in, in a lot of circles of just, like, character that people are like i just enjoy this this creation Mm -hmm. on its face like it just you know i mean i'm trying to think of somebody to even really compare him to in that sense of of you know an actor or somebody who's just really they are their own entity you know it doesn't matter what they do you just love it because it's them Mm mm-hmm that's why I say wrestling characters. Is, Some fans is, of Donald Trump could say that. I, okay, that's actually, that's actually a good, yeah, comparison. That's actually a valid comparison exactly. about self-marketing yes, and putting yourself yes, out there. They're just this, this outrageous character that doesn't matter what platform you see them on or medium you see them on, you're going to enjoy it because it's that person. Yeah. Because they always are that character. You know, Tommy Wiseau, he could he could star in a Steven Spielberg movie and play the lead, and he is still going to be Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of like uh, who, who, who um, you know, like the Jennifer Anistons of the world, who I love, but every, she's always Jennifer Aniston mm-hmm. in every movie. You feel like you're just watching her be her. That's kind of like Tommy Wiseau. Oh yeah, he's uh, he's a persona yes, celebrity. Yes. You know, George Clooney has that. You know, and, and I, I and Cary Grant had that. You know, Cary mm-hmm. Grant kind of played Cary Grant, but beautifully. You know, the difference I think between people like Cary Grant and even Jennifer Aniston versus Tommy Wiseau <laughs> is there's a self awareness with those yeah. people that they know these are the qualities that work for me, mm-hmm. and this is what I do. Well, Cary Grant has a great line on it, isn't it? Like everybody wants to be Cary Grant, and so do I. Yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. even he's not. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, Tommy Wiseau, I think, really loves being Tommy Wiseau. You know, he wishes everyone else loved him as much as he loves him. We do, though. Yeah, we kind of do. Yeah, 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 different kind of way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I was watching an interview with uh, Seth Rogen, and he said Tommy at the premiere wasn't surprised at all by the all the frame and all the cameras and things like that. And then he he compared that to when uh, they had when he played Wozniak on that one movie that Wozniak was just like blown away, and he was a guy who invented computers essentially and yeah yeah who should be embracing this yeah um, this fame and is worthy of this fame but tommy's just like yeah this is awesome like this should have been like this from day one <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've always felt wasnack is almost like the anti-tommy wiseau oh. anyway because he has i mean when you listen to yeah. his interviews he acts like he's one of the guys waiting in line for apple products i'm like wait a minute <laughs> the reason that they're waiting for apple products is because of your mm-hmm. your work you know mm-hmm. i mean steve jobs became the face of apple but wasnack is as much is every bit as responsible for that success of that company as I don't know, guys. Team. I just think the computer industry is so competitive. <laughs> <laughs> it is competitive. We learned that today. You know, Wozniak learned the hard way on that one. So, what's your favorite line in the movie? Do you oh my god! We go around. We start with Sean. Unless you want to pass it, go around. <laughs> I love that speech we talked about earlier. Uh, with the credit card, the, the bounce check, and everything that has nothing to do with the relationship or what he asked for. It was an interesting story. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting story, uh, and I also love. Uh, uh, there's a lot of lines I love in the movie that are just unique. Uh, I have to love. I mean, we we haven't mentioned it yet, but the that dizzyingly brilliant scene in the uh, flower shop oh. which is where every line of dialogue is completely out of sync 
like you're my favorite customer goodbye <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, everything kind of overlaps on one another that's probably one of my favorite scenes in the film he's handing her $18 and she said it's just saying that it is $18 that's funny <laughs> Greg do you have that line uh, well, like when Lisa was talking to her, her friend Michelle yeah. Uh, yeah says she's like Michelle is talking to her, to her and Lisa's going off about how she's manipulating people and and Michelle says, your point of view is so different from mine. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a great line. That's one of my top three. It's just so that's great. <laughs> oh my goodness. I am currently skimming <laughs> all of the quotes in this movie because... It's almost too much. There is so, there's just so many great lines. Okay, but the, from my girl Claudette, um, aside from the ones I've already said, because those are great too, but I love it when she's talking with... Um, I think she says this to Lisa. And yeah, they're going back and forth about marriage. And she's like, all men are assholes. Men and women use and abuse each other all the time. There's nothing wrong with it. Marriage has nothing to do with love. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, wanna, I wonder if like Tommy was ever married. Like, in a yeah. Way, like, <laughs> it really paints a great picture yeah. of Eric. Yeah. My favorite is when Johnny's at the party and he comes back and says, thank you, honey. This is a beautiful party. You invited all my friends. Good thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> Here's another good one from Peter, who is a psychotic, psychiatrist. So this is actually a pretty profound um, line. But the way that it was delivered and in the context of the scene, it came out really funny. But Peter says, people are people. Sometimes they just can't see their own faults. Yeah, that's, that's which is true. so true. That's a very true statement. But um, there'd probably be a book called the, the Wisdom of Lazo, you know, where it's just a bunch of his quotes. That's what I said earlier. Yeah, there could be a, yes. a coffee table book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the selling. Wisdom of the Room. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be one soon. <laughs> I mean, you could say every line by any individual in the Tommy Wiseau voice. Like even Lisa says, "I just want to hear your sexy voice." I keep thinking about your oh. strong hands around my body. It excites me so much. I need you to make love to me now. <laughs> yeah. oh, what about okay? What about when he says, um, "When Mark hits Johnny and he's like ma da like the way he says the way he says that. What what does he say? He says. Um, <laughs> Something motherfucker, but it was like the way oh, he, yeah. the way he actually you said motherfucker. You motherfucker. You motherfucker. Yeah, uh, that's beautiful. <laughs> the best rendition of motherfucker I've ever heard on film. Oh, that's yes. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to the gratuitous sex scenes. I don't even know if we call them gratuitous. Goodness. They're just long, lengthy, and how many are there? Unnaturalistic. Four. Are there four in the beginning? Yeah. yeah. There's the chocolate love scene. There's the chocolate. Tommy. And Lisa, Lisa and Mark, and I think well, there's like three scenes with Mark and Lisa. Yeah, yeah there's at least three. Two of Mark, Lisa, and Tommy, right? Yeah, that's true. And they're all accompanied by really <laughs> terrible '90s R&B songs. Yeah. Listen, yeah. the the soundtrack for everybody listening. If you can find the Room soundtrack, <laughs> post the link onto our Facebook page. I am legitimately interested. Um, it's so fitting. <laughs> this, the, the the music is so fitting for this movie, and it just sets the tone in every way, shape, or form. Aren't the scenes are like the the like it, like romantic novel covers? Yes. Like if yeah. you see a romantic oh. novel, like it's all cover, the rose petals. Oh, they smell of roses and like you know <laughs> candles and like the like, bed with the, like a waterfall going down. Yeah, like yes. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, 
He's, he's, you know, making love to her sternum. <laughs> well, you asked the question, what well, if this was given to a script, you know, studio and they made it, it would be like a Skinamax movie, you know, just Probably. like this up the sex of it and the story didn't matter. Yeah. Well, I also heard that Tommy wanted, he made them all record their lines where they took out all the swear words because he wanted to have a cut that could, he could put on TV. Which I'm not sure how it would work with all the sex scenes. I know. Oh yeah. my god. But the thing about this, well, the, with the exception of Lisa's boobs, they're not really that. And Tommy's ass. Tush, yeah. <laughs> Which is just scary. Yeah, it is. It's it's, it's, it's not oh, a, not a body that was built for these kind of scenes <laughs> to begin with. Um, okay, I found I found it the uh, soundtrack on Amazon. There you go. <laughs> Keitra Williams He's is close. the the maestro of all those songs. <laughs> and well, you know my stance on the marriage between music and motion pictures. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so good. It's so bad. It's good. The soundtrack. <laughs> I think Greg said the one song sounded like DLC wannabes. <laughs> uh, you could tell Keisha <laughs> Williams. It's like I'll be your rose, or yeah. what was it? I think it's yeah. You're my rose. Yeah. The name of the song. You're my rose. Um, rose. Can we just look at the cover of the soundtrack, please? Oh, nice. Oh. Oh my goodness! This it has Tommy Wiseau's eyes on the cover. Uh, the five songs. Oh my god! It's only five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> thank God! Thank God! We can all obtain it easily. The five songs on the soundtrack are "You're My Rose," <laughs> "Baby You and Me," "Crazy," "I Will," and uncredited "Happy Birthday," the "Happy Birthday" song. Oh, yeah. Did they sing the "Happy Birthday" song? Yeah. Like "Happy Birthday" yeah. to you? Yeah, but happy the soundtrack. No, guys, the soundtrack actually has the instrumentals as well. Oh, oh good, nice. good. Red, one song is called "Red Roses." Yeah, yeah, Lisa's wearing a red red rose dress at one point. Skirt. Another song is called Chris R. And can I just say, I love that there's a Chris R as if there was another Chris in this movie that we needed a guy named Chris R. I know. Chris 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 separate the two. Chris is enough. We we get it. I'll record everything. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'll record everything. That scene, there's what, a song called Jogging. XYZ. Remember when she chose one? Yes. You could tell that Keitra oh Williams like thought she was being shot A <laughs> and failed miserably on all fronts. It's so uh, good. So good. Yeah. So what are your overall uh, impressions of The Room? Like, uh, did you, would it be something you'd watch again? Would you go to one of the midnight showings after seeing this for the first time? Or would this be something you'd have pass? I think that'd be fun to, to see it in a room with people in a room <laughs> see a room in a room that's that, a great right, idea that actually so that's a great marketing and there's I mean there's a lot like we were just laughing a lot of the time during yeah. the movie so it's we, we missed not that I think I missed any key <laughs> integral part of the of the narrative but like yeah you definitely laugh through parts of the scene where you miss maybe some another line of dialogue uh, so you tell yourself that that might be the magic bullet but uh, I think it'd be fun and then also just not familiar with all the rituals of, of seeing the movie that I've read about, about like throwing spoons, because there's randomly spoons in scenes in the movie because they didn't want to pay. They just like, Tommy said one day, go out and buy some picture frames and don't fill it with real pictures, just use the pictures that are already in the frames with the stock photos. Yeah, that's what I do. So that's, so, but yeah, and the screenings, they throw footballs and, spoons at the screen at different times and things like that so i think that'd be fun to to see so i i probably wouldn't watch it alone ever (laughs) uh but i'd I'd like to see it in a theater yeah i definitely would be open to to seeing this and checking it out 
because I love themed things and, and celebrations of things that you enjoy. So I, I like to go dressed as Claudette. Okay. I was asking <laughs> yeah. who you dress up Yeah, like, I would dress up as Claudette. Uh, <laughs> or maybe even Tommy Wiseau. I mean, I think I could pull him off. Yeah, Tommy Wiseau. Do some Tommy Wiseau. I'd be highly... Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> 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 um, what, what version? The one where he has a tank top and the jeans or the... Or the the jogging cargo version. Pants? I'd wear the suit. You know, the classic, the, classic yeah. suit with some red loose, roses. Loose tie. With a loose tie. You're telling me apart, Lisa. <laughs> Um, I think it'd be really fun. In fact, yeah. I'm surprised that that um, places like Studio 35 here in town don't do it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a Drexel kind of like. Oh, yeah. it's a Drexel. Yeah. Okay. Because I know Studio 35 does the Rocky Horror. Yeah. Frequently. That'd be a great place for it. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely. I would definitely. It's it's a matter of staying up and seeing it at midnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I definitely that's <laughs> a goal of mine is someday watch it with a crowd like that. I think this movie would be amazing. <laughs> see that way well it still sells out yeah it sells out and yeah that's that's definitely on my bucket list is to see it I mean it's good to see just watch on TV watch clips I, mm. I'm always down to do that but to see it in it's original and it's I think that's what it's meant to be seen is in the just like Rocky there's only a few movies like that that have a Rocky Horror mm. The Room I don't know there's probably others but those Priscilla. are the big yeah those are the big ones where it's a communal experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely think this is a movie I'll revisit again. Like, I don't know by myself, but watch it with a group of friends even at home mm-hmm. and show it to people who haven't seen it before. It would always be fun because I think this movie is extraordinarily entertaining. Yeah. I can't say I was bored through it. I, I, I enjoyed <laughs> it from start to finish because it was so ridiculous and so incompetent and it took so many weird twists and turns. And I love stuff like that. I am a sucker movies that are so bad they are good unintentionally good like I I don't like movies that like something like Batman or Robin which is just a multi-million dollar budget budget of film that has no understanding of its concept and you can tell nobody really put any effort into it mm-hmm. I think a movie like this clearly like you've been saying Tony is an auteurist's mm-hmm. sensibility even without the talent it has that mm-hmm. same intent that an auteur like a, like a David Lynch or a mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese would have with their films you know, it's a passion project. It's yes. a personal project, and it comes through. It yeah. it comes through in such a warped way <laughs> that it's hard to take your eyes off of it. And I would love to see it with a crowd. I'd love to see a midnight showing one of these days. Um, Which character would you be, Sean? Oh, I'd be the. I hope, hopefully, Johnny. I mean, uh, <laughs> Sean's going for the. Yeah, I gotta go. I'm like Tommy Wiseau. I go straight for the jugular on that one. If I can't, if I can't be Johnny, I gotta be the guy that comes in in the third act. And I, I could see Chris everybody. R. Yeah, I could be Chris R. You could. Where's my money? Yeah, where's my money? Where's my money? Worst drug dealer ever. Yeah, yeah. I know. They <laughs> I know. never do explain why he had drugs right. or what Denny was really doing. I love the technique there. I'm gonna start playing basketball. We're gonna shoot hoops together for a few minutes and make you calm before I start pointing a gun at your head as opposed to just getting the money right away it's a nice strategy but who sells drugs on credit exactly. yeah I know yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh you're gonna have your money in I'm five minutes <laughs> the money will be here in five minutes how does he know it's gonna be there in five minutes <laughs> I you know, think I could be wrong but I think he was just making that up oh poor I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure so I always um and the pro- pro- that's what he does. He speed. I mean, I know. I, my mind is is just been disassembled, disassembled. Um, I always end the podcast by saying the best place to to, to watch a movie outside of a theater is on Blu-ray, and 
the, it is on Blu-ray in the room, but the only way you can obtain it is through <laughs> Scott Knows These Details, the Tommy Wiseau well, website. I got it through Amazon, so you can get it through there. But okay. I think, I don't know if it's through his website through Amazon. So then, but you can go to his website, get it, and I got I did get it by it through Amazon, so. And, and I'd also like to point out <laughs> that within the DVD case, there is a little postcard <laughs> that you can order Tommy Wiseau underwear Guys, they have them in like whitey tighties, boxers, boxer briefs, some other kinds of underwears that I've never seen. But they have like the old school Tommy Hilfiger logo, <laughs> but instead it's Tommy Wiseau. So they have extra small up to extra large. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, buying the DVD could just be worth that alone, and then you can have Tommy Wiseau underwear. 95% cotton, yeah. 5%. Synthetic. <laughs> and and if you guys on the DVD, it does mention too that if you want more deleted scenes and if you want more features, <laughs> that you can email or, or mail Tommy oh, yeah. Wiseau. So that's another great benefit of purchasing this DVD. Yeah, because he had he had, he had a like a student filmmaker follow him around during the entire production, so he had hours and hours of footage of that's him brilliant. directing yeah. and stuff. It is. Yeah. So it's definitely worth you know the. What was it? Fifteen dollars, ten dollars. The whole fifteen bucks that you spent on it is definitely worth the money. <laughs> uh, definitely a rewatchability factor there. So we want to thank Greg for yes. uh, joining us yeah. today. Uh, My pleasure. Uh, do you have anything that coming up? Any certain special projects or shows coming up that you like to promote? Um, I guess one, the big one coming up for hashtag is hashtag Mania mm-hmm. uh, April nineteenth, uh, and it's going to be at the Columbus Museum of Art. Uh, so that'll be a big show. Come on yes. out. Mm-hmm. Sure some other forward to it. Other folks at this table will be here. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, we hope to yes. be uh, participants in that as yeah. well. Um, and then, Tony, uh, I know that you have been performing lately I as have. Well. The next show that I have in my pipeline that I'm aware of is on February 20th at Mad Lab. I am going to be doing the Deuces Wild again. Uh, the show starts at 8 p.m. I think it's $8. So that's easy to remember. 8 p.m., $8, Mad Lab Theater. February 20th, and I am going to be doing Deuces Wild with Paul Stelzer. Awesome. Former guest. Former guest. You guys know him. He's been on the podcast before. He's also with Hashtag Comedy, Mm -hmm. so he'll be in Hashtag Mania, too. Um, I think it's five. Yeah, well, I meant like two as in also, but it is it is hashtag mania five. Fun fact: hashtag mania two. I was on Paul's team. There you go. Um, we always joke. We always say we'll have hashtag mania two. <laughs> um, so that's all I have going on in the pipeline right now. Yeah. Uh, well, you can catch. Um, I don't know when it's coming out, but by next week. We're talking behind the scenes. Uh, <laughs> our next show, every uh, second Friday of the month at Cafe Kerouac, uh, we have the Pocket Lint Long Form Show. So the next one I think is February 9th, um, but it will be the second Friday of the month. And I know Sean and I, we we advanced for the first time ever to the yes. of the Improv Wars. Yeah. So March 8th at the Nest Theater, uh, Sean and I will be performing in the finals. We're the first group to be to get in, so yeah. uh, we're waiting the other groups to advance as well. So. Look out, world. Oh. Look out, world. Let's we're making it. We're building ourselves up. Uh, but you can go to the other, go to Improv Wars, find it on Facebook, and you can see the other shows that are going on there. Yep, and just to reiterate, the Improv World is very competitive, guys. Yeah, <laughs> just like the computer industry. Just, just like the computer exactly. industry. It's very competitive. Exactly. It tears us apart. Um, <laughs> to, to add on what Scott said, I'm actually going to be... Uh, <coughs> Part of a featured panel uh, covering the Oscars on our friend Amanda Iman's podcast, Amanda's oh, Picture oh, Show yeah. Go Go. Yeah. Uh, I'll also be appearing there off and on. 
on the build up to that that event, you know, like covering the Oscar nominations and stuff like that. So check that out with with her, and that dovetails into Cinema Wheeler Tay once again. Like, uh, please find us on Facebook and uh, Twitter and and Podbean, which is our our main yeah. central location. Uh, we're always posting different things on there. We're on iTunes too. We're also on iTunes. Yes, mm-hmm. you know. wherever you get your uh, wherever you get your. Uh... Podcast, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, your podcast fix will be dealt with in, in, in some capacity, yeah. uh, and then you know Tony and, and I and, and even Scott will post things occasionally on on different topics that are film related yes. and stuff to keep you inter- engaged and yeah, in interacting with us. And we would love to hear your favorite line from the room, so feel <laughs> free to share it on our Facebook. That's probably where we're the most engaged. I'd yeah. say, yeah. Um, so connect with us there. And if you, if anybody here, I love costumes and I love getting dressed up. If anybody has ever dressed up like Tommy Wiseau, I would love to see it. So share your your photos on our Facebook page. Oh, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. That'd be fantastic. Please like interact with us and uh, you know rate us accordingly to whatever you listen to us. And uh, we're coming back soon, uh, so uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks to Greg. Yeah, thank you, Greg, for, for joining us. Jerk Harold. He wants me to give him a share of my house. That house belongs to me. He has no rights. I am not giving him a penny. Who does he think he is? He is always bugging me about my house. Fifteen years ago, we agreed that house belongs to me. Now the value of the house is going up and he's seeing dollar signs. Everything goes wrong at once. Nobody wants to help me and I'm dying. I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. How did you ever meet Lisa? You never told us. Well, that's a very interesting story. When I moved to San Francisco uh, with two suitcases, and I didn't know anyone, and I have uh, I hit YMCA with a $2,000 check, which I couldn't cash. Why not? Well, because it was an out-of-state bank. Anyway, uh, I was working as a busboy in a hotel, and uh, uh, she was sitting drinking her coffee and she was so beautiful and I say hi to her <laughs> that's how we met so I mean what's the interesting part well the interesting part is that on our first date she paid for thank you honey this is a beautiful party you invited all my friends good thinking <laughs>